Hello everybody, welcome to Terrace Talk. After an international break, we are back. Norwich City head to the New York Stadium on Saturday to face Rotherham United as they uh, look to bounce back from that 1-0 defeat to Derby. This international break has prolonged, but thankfully this week we haven't got too much transfer speculation to delve into from a Norwich perspective. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Ben Ambrose from uh, Norwich Talk, my football writer at Deerham Town. He's got numerous titles to his name (laughs) and also Rotherham fan uh, Josh. Um, Ben, let's, let's come to you first. Uh, how, how are you doing? How have you sort of found this international break? For me, it's really dragged. Um, from a Norwich perspective, there probably hasn't been as much going on as perhaps people anticipated, which I guess is probably quite a nice thing after all of the noise surrounding some of their key players over the last few weeks. Yeah, firstly, I'm doing all right. I've just about recovered from uh, Durham's loss to Berry. Um, but yeah, as you said, the, the, the international sort of break's been quite boring, it's dragged a bit. Thankfully, there's not been too much sort of transfer stuff. Um, I'm sure we'll maybe mention it a little bit later. There's been a few things, isn't there, regarding Todd Campbell and Lucas Rock, but it's been fairly quiet, which I've quite enjoyed, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, that makes two of us. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's nice not to be writing about 15 clubs being linked to Todd Campbell. <laughs> of course, there's still time. The window closes on Friday, so hopefully nothing. Uh, no, there's no huge developments that make this out of date very quickly. But, um, of course, I think Victor Orta, who's, who's Leeds Director of Football, has said they would like Todd Campbell. Um, it would be helpful if they actually made a bid in, in that regard. So we'll, we'll see what happens over the coming days. Um, Josh, let's let's come to you. First and foremost, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I, I want to start with 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 Paul Warren, really, because obviously we've had the news that has come out today, which is Tuesday as we're recording this, that he's going to miss Saturday's game b- because of a family member testing positive for coronavirus. What sort of impact is is that going to have on the team, do you think? Uh, oh, thanks for having me on anyway. I appreciate it. Um, I, I can't see it having too much of an effect. Obviously, he's going to be a big miss on the touchline, but I imagine he'll still be at home watching the game. Uh, he'll still be giving... Uh, Richie Barker, and I'm sure our coaches obviously orders what to pass on to the players at half-time before the game. You'll still have a big impact despite not being there, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if if you take the case of West Ham, of course, David Moyes tested positive, didn't he, and was, was unable to be at games. They, they are actually boosted, I guess, in, in, in some regard because of, um, it, or in his absence, they recorded um, some, some pretty decent results. So from a Rotherham perspective, you'll be hoping that that's the same case on Saturday, although it's going to be disappointing for him personally, I would imagine, because obviously this is a fixture that is, is so big to him, isn't it? Yeah, obviously he's, uh, he's a massive Norwich fan and Obviously, during the both games in the 2018-19 season, he was he was very proud to lead the team out at Carrow Road. Obviously, the result wasn't what he probably wanted was with us losing 3-1, but it was still a very proud moment for him. Obviously, his family were there. Obviously, his, his dad couldn't make it obviously, with him being ill. And obviously, at the 2-1 uh, at the New York Stadium, he, he was very proud of the performance, as was most of the fans, despite us obviously losing 2-1 with Obviously, Norwich were the best team in the division that season and we, we pushed them all the way. We gave them a really strong game. It was just probably a, a lack of quality from our point of view that probably was the reason why we didn't walk away with the point. Yeah, I was I was there that day. I, I remember it um, fairly fondly from a, from a Norwich perspective. Of course, it goes without saying that, that we wish um, Paul Warren and, and his family all the best. It's it's good news that um, the family member is is in good health and and, and that Paul Warren himself has um, returned two negative tests. So hopefully that that remains the case. Ben, um, just on Paul Warren very quickly as as a Norwich fan, he's he's one of these opposition man. I, I guess his links to Norwich probably help, but he's he's quite highly regarded amongst Norwich fans, isn't he? 
Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much to do, uh, to do with his football there it's always, if you know what I mean. But, you know, he, he seems a lovely guy. And that's always a good start for me. Um, I remember when we, I think it was in the first half in the 18-19 season at Carrow Road, they took the lead, didn't they? Um, and he described himself as sort of barely surviving. And at that point, I was sort of like, yeah, he, he seems like a decent fella. And he seems to sort of um, always bring uh, a well-drilled Rotherham side. And with him not being there, I'm sure it'll still be the same. But um, as you mentioned earlier, Josh, there were really tough games for Norwich um, in the 18-19 season. I'm expecting a, a very, very tough one on Saturday. Yeah, before we before we look ahead, let's let's reflect a little bit on on the two teams. Ben, let's start with you. Norwich City's last two results, both one 0 defeats against Bournemouth and Derby County, both sort of different levels of performance. What, what did you make of that Derby game? Because um, it was it was a bit of a smash and grab, ultimately won by a bit of Wayne Rooney quality. But sitting there, nearly two weeks after it's happened, how how do you kind of reflect on it now? Because there was a lot of anger about I think probably a, a lot of people may be looking at the scoreline but not necessarily the performance although there were elements as I've written subsequently there were elements that perhaps weren't as great but I, I don't think they were quite as bad as perhaps that was um, they were made out to be. Yeah no we weren't at all really were we I was very frustrated at the time I'm still frustrated now we didn't get anything from the game but mainly that's because we played quite well and I remember sort of the first 15-20 minutes Norwich were fairly fluid with their attacks and I was a bit like all oh, right there's Norwich City where have they been um, but it's it a lot different to the, to the Bournemouth game I actually felt like Norwich were going to score against Derby whereas against Bournemouth it was very different but I think it was quite clever from Derby they sort of sat deep allowed Norwich to play um, but not sort of too much if you know what I mean um, and then you know you sort of you create your own luck in them sort of circumstances don't you you, you don't let for as much as I like Lucas Rock at the moment and I, and I don't want to criticise him too much um, but you don't let Wayne really get a free kick from there because he, he's going to score isn't he um, he might not sort of be as quick as he used to be but he's still got that footballing brain he's still got that quality um, and with that quality he's, he's going to score you goals especially from them positions but I, I didn't mind Derby too much um, but you know the question is sort of how long can you accept a loss with a decent performance until it sort of then becomes a bit of an issue yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of where I am at the moment. It's kind of a tug of war because there are a lot of things that Norwich are doing which are, are quite good and quite pleasing. And then there are aspects of their performances that don't add up. For example, the, the frequent crosses that we're seeing from, from Javi Quintia. What is it from, from your perspective that, that you'd like to see them improve as, as they head into Saturday's game against Rotherham? And of course, they've had a, a two-week period now to really um, work on the training pitch with Daniel Farker. So you would hope that there's a bit more refinement than we saw against Derby. Yeah, I, dare I say it, but I just want to see Daniel Farker be a little bit smarter in terms of you've seen sort of Xavi Kintia, who's a brilliant crosser of the ball, by the way, um, pinging balls into Timu Puki. And it's like, we've got Jordan Hugel on the bench, an absolute bully of a striker, which is what Norwich are crying out for at the moment. Um, you can get into sort of individual quality a little bit later, but Norwich needs sort of that rugged, tugged guy who's going to stick a foot in, win a header. They need that and they've got it. So I'm a bit confused as to why he's not being used as much. Um, but yeah, I just want to see Daniel Farker be a bit smarter. I want to see Norwich's players be a little bit braver um, against Derby, sort of in the closing stages of the game. We had some good opportunities. I want Norwich to sort of just, I know it sounds ridiculous and I'm sort of stating the obvious, but I want them to take one of them chances 
because there's only so many of them that you can forgive until it then becomes an issue. You look at Max Aaron's at the back post and forcing a good save from Marshall. I know he made another good save as well. Um, I think it was from Hugo, wasn't it? But I just want to see Norwich be a bit more ruthless, play with a little bit more bravery, um, sort of up the intensity a little bit, because we know that Norwich can pass the ball through teams. Um, and where I say we need to be smarter, we need to learn how to play against these teams. Because you mentioned, didn't you, teams are going to sort of defend against Norwich City. And I don't mean to be sort of disrespectful to Rotherham, but that is going to be the case, isn't it? Um, Norwich are going to play the better football. They just need to be smarter when it comes down to, to actually playing. Uh, and for me, one of the ways you do that is you start Jordan Hugel or you tell not to cross it as much but you know I'm, I'm not a football manager am I? Yeah I think on, on my list for Saturday I think I've got down some longer studs for Team Pukki so, so hopefully that's, <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah, that's yeah. the case after the against Derby. Um, Josh let's let's bring you in um, from a Rotherham perspective you're coming to this one off, off the back of two draws um, both 1-1s against Birmingham and, and, and Huddersfield five points 12th position a fairly sort of um, happy start for you guys I guess considering um, maybe the expectations uh, around the club and maybe the ambitions of it, which is uh, maybe you can you can tell me, but I presume is is just to sort of su- secure your status in the league. Yeah, I mean, obviously we are one of the smaller teams in the division budget wise. Uh, our our qu- squad quality is not as good as everyone else's, but at the end of the season it, it is survival. Obviously, if if you offered us twenty first now, I imagine anyone's. Any Rotherham fan would snap their hands off. But I, I, I think we can... I'm hoping that we can aim a bit higher. Obviously, we know it's going to be difficult. You look at the quality in Norwich's squad. Obviously, the game after we play Ewey's Nottingham Forest, that's going to be another tough game. They've got a lot of good players despite having a bad start. But I, I think we just need to be a bit more positive this time round, which is something that we lacked in the 18-19 season. We wasn't as positive. We dropped too many points from winning positions and... Although we've we've become a lot more solid, I think, in the other four games, we have dropped four points. That's the way I look at it. You, you, you take the lead against Birmingham going into the last three or four minutes. You expect to be a bit more mentally stronger, a bit more switched on. Obviously, one of our more experienced players, Billy Jones, gives away a penalty in the 90th minute, which was very disappointing because Birmingham did have good chances, but... I thought overall we probably were deserving of the three points. Obviously, going back to the Huddersfield game, that's probably the worst we've played so far this season. But Huddersfield didn't cut us up. They had all the possession, but I never felt felt worried that that they'd score, obviously. Maybe if Carl and Grant were playing or Fraser Campbell had brought his shooting boots, I'd have been a bit more worried. But obviously, to concede in the 97th minute, I mean... From an own goal, I can't really blame Angus McDonald. He didn't know the shot was going to go wide. And obviously, a defender's first instinct is to get anything to block the shot. And unfortunately, it went past Jamal Blackman instead of going just the other side of the post. Mm, absolutely. In terms of what Ben alluded to early on about style of play and perhaps what people have become accustomed to when, when travelling and, and that fixture against Rotherham away appears on the calendar and, and, and perhaps people are expecting a, a really tough physical game is is that still the case for you guys is it still a case that you are going to be organized defensively and maybe try and make the game a little bit of an arm wrestle uh 100 percent obviously obviously we've added uh dan barlasa permanently back to the squad so that should give us a bit more quality a bit more composure on the ball We, we should hopefully try and keep the ball a bit better but i still expect norwich to have the majority of the ball and i expect us to try and make it tight and compact and as horrible and frustrating for Norwich as possible. 
I think obviously no fans being there is going to it's going to have a huge impact on us because obviously when the crowd gets right behind us, hundred percent, like it lifts the team. But obviously if it, there's there's no pressure on Norwich. Obviously being the away side, obviously. I think away sides have all the advantage this season in, in football because especially us, I mean, we've picked up four points from our opening two away games, which is something that's not happened for a while. We're normally quite poor away from home in the Championship. And I, I, albeit Norwich have better quality players, I do expect them to have the advantage without the crowd, but I still expect it to be a tough game. I expect it to be really strong from set pieces, defending and attacking. We've Improved our defence, obviously signing Wes Harding from uh, from Birmingham, signing Angus McDonald on a free from Hull City. Both of them have championship experience. We've got Jamal Blackman in goal, another player with championship experience, which is something that we've not really had in the past. So obviously them three players in the back, obviously them three players have given us a bit of a lift. And you, you can see in the opening four games how much stronger we are defensively. I understand it's still early in the season, but you know it's it's a positive for us. Mm, absolutely, and I think that defensive solidity that you sort of touched upon there is almost what Ben was touching upon earlier. It, it is always a difficult prospect facing Rotherham away. It kind of tests whether you've you've got that edge perhaps needed in in the Championship to to compete, particularly at the top end, which I guess is is probably quite pertinent for Norwich, Ben, because if they can go to Rotherham and prove that actually they can deal with. A side that, that Paul Warner's has organised well and is always very tough to play against, and it's it's probably a real test of their credentials this season. Yeah, these are the sort of games that sort of win your titles and get you promoted. Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned Josh, uh, sort of the, the lack of crowds. I think it'll affect both teams in terms of we sort of utilise the crowds in slightly different ways. We fight for different causes. Essentially, Rotherham are sort of need the crowd to stay up. We need the crowd to go up. Um, so I do think it then becomes about the quality. I'd like to think that Norwich have that quality um, over Rotherham, but I know from maybe the 18-19 season as well um, that Norwich aren't brilliant against physical teams. We managed to sort of deal with it in um, the sort of the, the championship winning season, but it's going to be a very interesting um, occasion on Saturday. And I, I'm very keen to see if Norwich City can sort of break down a well-organised team, because if we're going to go, like, if we're going to get back to the Premier League, we've got to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly could not tell you right now how it will go. Yeah, that, that's the championship, isn't it, in, in a nutshell? Um, you, you kind of alluded earlier, um, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, that, that you'd probably be inclined to go for, for Jordan Hugel up front for this one. Is there an argument that maybe Norwich need to try and out-football Rotherham than trying to sort of engage in the arm wrestle that maybe they'll make it? Do you know what? I'm I'm not sort of in favour of either striker at the moment. Mainly, I, I just want Daniel Farker to pick a system that works, if you know what I mean, or one that's a bit smarter, as I've, I've said, I'll, I'll probably keep saying it as well. Um, I wouldn't be too upset to see Timu Puki start on Saturday because he's a player who scored 29 goals last time he was in the Championship. We know he's still a quality player. He needs to find that confidence. And as you said, he needs to get some uh, some longer studs because after that penalty, he mustn't be feeling um, sort of too great. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to Jordan Hugel up top. But to be honest with you, I, I think the sensible thing to do would probably be play Pookie, but not whip the ball in constantly because 
he's not going to be any championship defender to a header really is he um let alone whoever Rotherham have at the back and I'm sure they're going to be a big physical presence um but I, I just want sort of the tactics to be a little bit smarter uh, a bit more transparent not to Rotherham but to us so we actually know what's happening um within the game but yeah I mean it's not you know it's not a bad situation to be in is it when you've got the um the golden boot winner from 1819 as well as the striker who's just come into the clubs off his best goal scoring season um in the division I honestly, I'm not leaning sort of one particular way. I just want the system to be a bit smarter. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, we speak, Josh, we speak about the test that's going to be for Norwich. How much of a test is it going to be for Rotherham as well? Because this is um, this is obviously a side that's come down from the Premier League. It is going to be one of those tests for, for Rotherham to kind of gauge where they're at in terms of maybe um, beyond what you said there, beyond sort of trying to stay up and maybe to see if they can push up into that sort of mid-table block in the championship. It's going to be a real good test for, for the Millers as, as well as the Canaries. Uh, 100%. So when the fixtures came out, the opening six, obviously when I looked at the opening six fixtures, Norwich and Nottingham Forest were the two that I were really worried about. Obviously, you've kept most of your key players from last season. Obviously, Wendy, Cantwell, Max Ahrens, uh, Timo Puki, obviously, we how good he was in the championship last time. You've added Kieran Dowell's a very good championship player, as he approved it with Sheffield United. Nottingham Forest did okay at Derby. You've still got Anna Honor Hernandez. You've obviously added Jordan Ugal, who's a very solid championship striker. So this is without a doubt going to be our, our toughest test, despite the fact that you haven't started the season as well as you'd have probably hoped. And if if you're Daniel Farco and, and you're plotting against Rotherham what, how, how would you approach it like I said to Ben there is it do you kind of try and out football them in the way that we saw in, in the championship title winning season although that game was a, a real battle and a really good contest is it a case that Norwich need to get the ball down and play against Rotherham is, is that the most likely way to, to get three points against them yeah, I, I think that's probably the way. I mean, if you if you play like that, we, we will try and sit back and try and contain you for as long as possible. Whether that works is another question. It didn't work against Huddersfield in the entire second in the entire second half. I think we probably had about fifteen percent possession. We couldn't string three passes together, and we just we let them have the ball. They never really cut us open because I, I I don't think Huddersfield had the same quality as Norwich have. Obviously. If I think if the likes of Bundy, Catwell and Hernandez play and we let them have the ball and we let them have the freedom, it could potentially be a very long afternoon for us. But I think if obviously if you you will play the better football, but I think we we've got to get in Norwich's face. I think we've got to probably get like a few early blows on Norwich's key players to see whether they really fancy it. Obviously a trip to Rotherham on a cold Saturday afternoons. Not everyone's cup of tea, especially with especially with the foreign players. So if we get an early blow in on Hernandez or Puki, Cantwell or Wendy, we'll we'll see whether they're really up for the challenge. I believe. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I would. Um, I'd, I'd say I've always enjoyed my trips to Rotherham. I've been there a, a few times. I think the, the New York Stadium is um, is is certainly one of my favourites in the division. I'm quite a sucker for one of those um, sort of grounds that are fairly close to the pitch. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that it's it's probably tough. But I, I totally get your point. Absolutely, in terms of the the foreign players, it's 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 always interesting. I think to gauge. I certainly remember um, Norwich's 
team a few years ago under Alex Neal going there and, and really struggling. I think Tom Adiemi scored for, for Rotherham that day, if, I'm, uh, if I remember correctly. Ben, how do, Norwich, how do Norwich go from being this slick possession-based side into being a side that creates opportunities? That's kind of where it's lacked. In between boxes, I would even probably defensively, there's an argument to say they've been improved, but they've kind of faced three sides now, Preston who, who pressed them really high, really intensely, and they struggled to deal with it. And then two sides who almost played free at the back and, and, and did what Josh expects Rotherham to do really, which was to contain them. And both seem to have had success. So how do Norwich learn to play against the sides that are sort of defending very deep against them as Josh expects Rotherham to do on Saturday? Well, that's a very tough question that is, Connor. Um, I don't know if Daniel Farker is the answer to that, let alone me. Um, but do you know what? We've, we've got to be aggressive with the ball. Um, it's such a simple thing. We sort of need to pass with intent, if you know what I mean. And that just means zipping the ball along the floor a bit quicker. Um, I think we sort of, we got the fullback movement quite, we did it right against Derby for me. Um, Kintia got himself into some dangerous positions, but again, it's the crossing. Um, I think we should be a little bit smart to maybe sort of bring it inside. And I think there was a couple of chances where Buendia found Puki. Uh, there was one where Puki had a shot. There was one where Puki sort of squared the ball to Hernandez. There was only a couple of them. And Norwich City, when they did that in the championship last time, they scored from it because they kept doing the same thing. Um and it's a bit like banging your head against a brick wall sometimes, but you need persistence. You need to carry on doing what you're doing. I think the best way for this team to sort of develop in this league is to stick to their principles, whether that's a plan A, which is sort of pass the ball through the team, whether that's a plan B, which is swing the ball into Jordan Hugel. We've got to stick with our principles, not what we had against Derby, sort of, which was swing the ball into Pukki. We, we don't want that. I can't stress that enough. Um, but I think we just need to be more aggressive. We need to be a bit more aggressive in defence as well. Um, I think Christoph Zimmerman's a good example where he just sits off too much and then it relies on him turning uh, and for as much as I love him and for as much as he is just a fantastic leader, um, he's not as quick as what he was a couple of seasons ago, is he at all? Um, he seems to sort of be quite slow on the turn. Uh, we saw that against Derby for the free kick, for example. Rupp has to make that challenge because Zimmerman's not turning in time. Um, we saw it against Bournemouth as well. Um, I've completely forgotten what the Bournemouth attacker's name is, um, but he's just turned Zimmerman far too easily. Uh, and I think it's sort of the, the Rotherham attackers will see that. Um, they'll be licking their lips at the opportunity. Hopefully, Ben Gibbs can sort of come in and find his feet nice and quickly look quite comfortable against Derby um, and you said didn't you um, to me that he was very commanding which Norwich need um, they don't lack it but they need it um, but yeah we, we, we need to be a bit more aggressive all over the pitch and just sort of do stuff with intent because sometimes it's a bit half-hearted for as much as I love Marco Stieperman sometimes he's just he's just a bit too lightweight if you know what I mean gives the ball away a little bit too easily sort of shrugs his shoulders and then turns around walks back there's been a few players guilty of that uh, if Wendia plays, we need him on his A game because he literally defines everything that I want Norwich City to do, which is he roams free very well. He's very aggressive. Um, he's very forward thinking. Uh, no doubt that sort of he is the best player in this division on his day. Um, the old football phrase, you know, on his day. Um, I don't know if it would be his day Saturday, but we, we need to just sort of be like any Buendia, which is aggressive, do stuff with intent and just stop flush out sort of Derby flush Derby out of the system so I can get my words out uh, and just stop being too lightweight but yeah uh, there you go there's, <laughs> there's how I'd fix Norwich City at the moment there you go not too many issues then <laughs> no <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Emi Buendia there let's, let's speak about the other player who was in the eye of the storm um, and certainly faced the brunt of some very harsh comments from Daniel Farker top Campwell of course um, reports linking him with, with a move to Leeds which um, 
as uh, their director of football admitted. There's certainly an interest there, but uh, no formal bid as of yet. How would you look to play that? Obviously, the, the transfer window closes on Friday. So what we are about to say could be completely altered by the time that Saturday comes around. But let's say theoretically Todd Campbell is still in the building as um, of half past five on Tuesday looks to be the case. Do you look to reintegrate him for, for this game? And, and if so, how, how do you see that working out? Is he like Emi Buendia straight back into the eleven, or do you perhaps kind of um, look to integrate him a bit more, a bit more cautiously? He's nowhere near as good as Buendia, so I don't think he's worth the risk of shoving him in immediately. That said, he's still a good player. He's still Todd Campwell. Um, we've sort of seen how fickle some Norwich City fans can be in regards to Todd Campwell, because one minute they're laughing at them not getting the England squad, next minute they see an Instagram post and they're like, oh yeah, why well, forgive him? And it's a bit like, make your mind up, sort of pick a side and stick with it. Um, but that's just football fans in general, isn't it? Um, I, I'd like to integrate him back in sort of slowly, calmly, um, and it just depends where his head's at. Uh, I'm sure it's very sort of Jurgen Klopp of Victor Orta, is it? In terms of sort of, you mentioned how interested you are in a player, maybe sort of rustle a few feathers, turn his head a little bit, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know how good of a fit he'd be for Leeds, to be honest with you. I think he's a lot more suited to the Premier League than he is the Championship. Um, but that's mainly because of sort of the physical element to the game. Um, he's been okay since, you know, f- football has, or since the season started, but then sort of most of Norwich City, City's players have been sort of just okay, haven't they? Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to sort of drip feed him back into the game. There's no doubt that he's still a good player. You just need to know that his head's in it because much like any sort of any player, and I remember saying this last season, when their confidence is high, they're going to give their all, they're going to play their best. Uh, and with Todd Campwell you know, being such a young player and the fact that this is only his sort of second full season with Norwich City. Um, he obviously only just came onto the season last season, uh, onto the scene, sorry, last season. So um, he's still got a lot to learn. I'm hoping that he does sort of a Jack Grealish in that he helps take us back into the um, into the, the Premier League. I don't want him to dive around the pitch like Jack Grealish, but I want him to do that, stick with his sort of his boyhood club. I don't know if you'd call him that. Um, he's the local lad, isn't he? He's the feel-good story. Um, but yeah, we've just got to make sure his head's in it. And I don't know whether I agree with Daniel Farker sort of being so public about everything. Um, but, you know, this, you know, it's Daniel Farker's choice and Todd Cantwell's got to react. And Daniel Farker's literally said he wants it for a reaction or he said it for a reaction. Um, and it's up to Todd Cantwell to do that. If he wants to be here, I'm sure he'll be back into the 11 in, in no time. And if he doesn't, then see you later. But it, it's, it's literally as simple as that with Todd Cantwell. But he is still a very, very good player. Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting uh, come two o'clock on Saturday, wh- wh- whether he is in that 18 or not. Of course, we, we will know where his future lies until January, at least at that point. Um, just just on this point, Josh, we've seen Paul Warren to, to flip it. He's he's really used togetherness. He's, he, he uses a lot of sort of emotional techniques to, to get the best out of his players. From Rotherham's perspective, how important is, is togetherness to what you guys have, have achieved in, in recent seasons? A couple of promotions, also a couple of relegations. But that, to me, feels like a squad that is very together and, and is led by someone who understands the importance of togetherness and, and the intangible elements of, of football. I think for us, I think for a side like us having a togetherness is massively important. Everyone has to be on the same wavelength. Everyone has to commit under 10% to the cause. Obviously, I alluded to a point earlier, especially in, in the championship, we we don't have the quality of other sides, so we have to battle, scrap. Everyone has to be on the same wavelength. Everyone has to be on on the job to to try and to try and get one point or three points. Every every point in this division is massive for us if we want to stay up and 
the, the togetherness has to be there. Everyone has to give 110% to the cause. Everyone has to be there for everyone. I think you've got to, if you concede, you've got to put, arm, put an arm around the shoulder, continue to big them up because confidence in football is a massive thing. You can't come out and blast and blast a player. I think you've got to. Obviously, you've got to be disappointed when they make a mistake, but you've also got to keep spirits high. And I think that's what Paul Warren does. I think that's what Richard Barker does. And obviously, our club captain uh, Richard Woods, the exact same. I can't see him playing much this season, but he's he's the rock. He's the leader of the dressing room. He's obviously going to put an arm around play, players' shoulders when they when they're disappointed with how they've played and. It all comes down to what Paul Wall wants. That's his culture, and that's the culture he's created at Rotherham. And yeah, we've had a couple of relegations, but the, we've had two promotions as well. So it, it is working slowly but surely. And you know, we want Paul Paul Wall near the long term. And he's recently signed a new three-year contract. Contracts don't mean anything in football, but he's he's the man that we want to lead forward. Obviously, he's not one hundred percent perfect, but. If he was, he wouldn't be at a club right, Rotherham. Well, yeah, that's um, Rotherham legend, isn't he? Over over two hundred appearances to his name. Um, let's in in terms of perhaps like a a key man, someone that Norwich fans need to be a bit wary of on Saturday. Who is the one player that that you would identify as being probably the threat? Someone who is capable of of perhaps deciding whether, let's say, the the game ends up being a a, a draw or, or a win or a, a loss or a draw, who who is that player who, who can turn the game that Norwich fans need to be wary of? Um, I, I think obviously if he starts, it will it will be Dan it will be Dan Barlas. I, I think he's his his quality in midfield will be will be vital for us. At the start of the season, I would have said Matt Crooks as well, but he has been quite disappointing so far. I, obviously, we don't know. The ins and outs. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I think he is someone who probably needs to take him out of the squad for the time being, just until he gets hundred percent sorted. Because obviously, we don't know why he hasn't performed to the same standard last season. Obviously, we're very strong from set pieces, so Michael Heckway and Angus McDonald, two of our both our centre backs, both very solid, both very commanding, both a threat from corners and free kicks. Uh, Local lad Ben Wiles, uh, centre midfielder, very silky on the ball. He's got a very good goal against against Huddersfield. Very versatile, can play right midfield. He's, he's filled in at full-back before previously for us. Uh, Paul Warren loves him. He's recently signed a new deal as well. Uh, obviously, Kieran Sadlier we signed from Doncaster as well. Very good set-piece taker. Can can cause problems if if he's on top form. So uh, we have we have got threats that Norwich will have to that obviously Norwich will have to do our homework on, but not as much as what we'll have to do with Norwich. I don't think. I I, I would I would assure you that's very kind. Having watched Norwich Japan <laughs> for the last eighteen months, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, gents, we've we've just about reached the end. So before we before we let you go, um, let's ask for of course the the score predictions. How you see the game going? Let's let's start with you, Josh. First and foremost, you guys are the home side, so um, we'll, we'll let you go first. How, how do you see this game panning out, and and ultimately, what do you think the the score is going to be? Uh, obviously, in his first two home games, we lost one 0 to Millwall, and we got that one all draw against Huddersfield. Listen, this is going to be a very tough game. Norwich have a lot of very good, a lot of talented players, but I think we 
hopefully we can pick up three points. I think the longer it goes on, the more it will play on the players' minds if we don't without getting that first win at home. So hopefully it comes this weekend against Norwich. Uh, we we just need to be a bit more positive than what we were against uh, Huddersfield. Obviously, keep the ball better. Don't panic. Don't sit too far back. Obviously, play our game, but also be very cautious and very wary of how Norwich play. But it just it, it we just have to play like we had been in the previous three games for the Huddersfield one. And would, how do you see it? How do you see it going? What's your score prediction? Uh, I'll say two one, rather. Optimistic, I like it. See, uh, opposition fans have come on here and have, have kind of sat on the fence a little bit. So it's it's good to see one of them predicting a win for their club. I think that might be the first we've uh, we've had from an opposition fan. Um, ben, I'll throw it, throw it over to you. Then, how, how do you see this going? And what's your score prediction for for Saturday? Do you know what? The minute Josh said there was a good set piece taker, I became nervous. And I saw, I realised that Norwich are going to concede a couple of goals in this game. I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Norwich, maybe a 3-2. Um, I do think we're going to win this game because I do think Norwich City can and probably still will go up, whether that's playoffs, automatics, I don't know. Uh, there's too much quality in that team not to contend. Uh, and for as much as I like Rotherham, for as much as I like sort of the, the, the heartiness about them and sort of how much I like Paul Warren, I do think Norwich are going to sort of outplay them. Uh, we've done it before. We've, we've dug deep before to beat them. Um, but I'll, I'm going to stick with a 3-2, I think, because Nor- Norwich are going to leak goals. That's going to happen. Um, but we need to start scoring a few. And I reckon that the Derby loss would have sort of given the kick up the backside that they needed. Um, but I don't blame Josh at all for predicting a Rotherham win. Um, because for as much as everyone bangs on about Norwich being favourites to win the league and, you know, oh, Norwich are too good not to, we, we don't look brilliant at the moment, do we? Um, There's still a little bit of early season syndrome. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for a 3-2 Norwich. Be optimistic. Goals. That's uh, that's that's five goals. Uh, you're predicting and Josh you're predicting three. So um, I, I guess we're probably looking at a nil nil, right? That's that's the way things <laughs> work. Um, and Josh, thank you very much for for joining me. Thank you very much for watching. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you leave a like and subscribe to the Pinkin as well. Plenty more Norwich City uh, analysis and opinion coming your way. Pinkin.com, of course, the place for all the news and views. And uh, of course, if you listen to this as a podcast, make sure you subscribe to there. You know what to do by now. You uh, we're well into the season. You should be up to date with it. <laughs> now thank you very much for watching stay safe and we'll see you next week for another terrorist talk